Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. It is Tuesday, February the 14th, 2023, Valentine's Day. As a matter of fact, happy Valentine's Day to everyone. But we're going to talk basketball on this podcast. We're going to talk about the, we're going to preview the Kentucky Mississippi State game Wednesday night down in Starkville. It's an 8.30 start on the SEC network. To help us preview the game, I talked with Stefan Krishnik of the Clarion Ledger down in Jackson, who's going to give us a scouting report on Mississippi State. You're also going to hear from UK assistant coach Chen Coleman, who talked to the media earlier today. We've got the audio from that press conference as well. Kentucky comes into the game needing wins. They need a bunch of wins. They got six regular season games remaining for the Wildcats. They're coming off back-to-back losses. They lost at home to Arkansas, 88-73 to last week, and then on Saturday took a really damaging loss at Georgia, 75-68 to to the Bulldogs, who I think were ranked like 129 in the NCAA net rankings going into that game. Kentucky could not afford to lose that game, but they lost it anyway, uh, dropping the Cats to 16-9 and overall and 7-5 and in the SEC. Mississippi State is 5-7 and in the SEC, but they've won four straight SEC games, five straight games overall. They're coming off of a 70-64 win at Arkansas, an impressive victory for the Bulldogs on Saturday. This will be a tough game for Kentucky going down to start from Mississippi State is ranked fourth uh, by Ken Pomeroy in adjusted defense efficiency. They're a very good defensive team. I wrote about that in my column, which you can find now on Kentucky.com. The premise of the column is basically that Kentucky's defense, this is one of, if not the worst defensive team that John Calipari has had at Kentucky. They're ranked 88th in defensive efficiency, adjusted defensive efficiency by Ken Palm. That matches their ranking of the the 2012-13 team that uh, ended up in the NIT that did not make the NCAA tournament. So if Kentucky's not playing good defense, they got to play better offense. they got to outscore people. Tom Leach and I talked about this on Tom Leach's show on Monday. It's going to be a tough test uh, to that theory uh, with Mississippi State, which is, I think, fourth or fifth in the nation in score- scoring defense. They're like seventh in the nation in field goal percentage defense. Chris Jans, first-year coach, came over from New Mexico State, has done a really good job with the Bulldogs. We talked a lot about that with Stefan when I talked to him to preview the game. As for Kentucky, uh, two key injuries. They did have two players out in the Georgia game in severe Wheeler. Uh, the point guard did not play. He's battling an ankle problem. And then C.J. Frederick, who cracked his rib again in the Florida game, came back and played against Arkansas. John Calipari said after the game he probably should not have played C.J. in that game. So C.J. sat out down at Georgia. But uh, uh, Chin said today that those, neither one of those play, well, John Calipari said on his show last night on Monday night that neither one of those players practiced on Monday, but they didn't know if they would be able to practice on Tuesday or not, so we're not sure about their availability for the game on Wednesday. We'll just have to see how that plays out. Even without those two guys, I thought they should have beaten Georgia. They were up 52-48 to 48 in the second half, but they made a lot of errors down the stretch, which is very disturbing for a team to make those kind of errors so late in the season. Uh, Antonio Reeves was great in the first half. He had 15 points, but the second half, he got tired. He had to play a full 40 minutes. He went two for 10 from the field. Oscar Shibway, he had 20 points and 14 rebounds on the offensive end, but he continued to struggle on the defensive end. Uh, when Kentucky did get up 52-48, Georgia 
fed the ball continually to their center, Bridges, who scored over top of Oscar. And the bad news is Mississippi State is a team that plays a lot of high pick and roll with Tolu Smith, their big man, setting picks out high and Mississippi State getting offense off of that. They also get a lot of offense off steals. So Kentucky has to be uh, good with the basketball, has to take care of the basketball on Wednesday night. We talked about that with Stefan. We also heard from Chen Coleman. You're going to hear from uh, Chen's press conference earlier today. Uh, First, a couple of reminders before we get to those two. Uh, Remember, you can get a digital subscription to Kentucky.com or a print subscription to Lexington Herald Leader by going to Kentucky.com. Hit on the subscription tab. Check out all the offers for subscriptions. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. I appreciate everybody who supports the podcast. You can do so by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Uh, we appreciate everybody who has done that. It just uh, get uh, puts it out there for more people to discover the podcast. So let's get right to it. First, it's my interview with Stefan Krishnik of Declaring Ledger, who gives a scouting report on Mississippi State. Then after that, you'll be hearing from Chin Coleman, UK assistant coach, on the game Wednesday with the Bulldogs down in Starkville. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast my guest, Stefan Kryashnik of the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, who covers the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and we're going to talk Mississippi State basketball. First of all, Stefan, how's it going? It's good, man. Like I was just telling you before we got on the call, you know, the, the overlap of baseball and basketball seasons heating up here in Starkville. So, uh, so things are, it's, it's exciting times. <laughs> yeah. I, as, and as I was telling you, Mississippi State baseball, obviously a bigger deal there than Kentucky baseball here because of success <laughs> there. And Kentucky fans, John Cohen, he used to be the baseball coach at UK, then was a the baseball coach at Mississippi State, AD. Now he's at Auburn. Uh, what can, before we get into basketball, what, what, what's the outlook for Mississippi State baseball this year? Yeah, so they're projected to actually finish last in the SEC West, um, you know, by the coaches. They, they struggled, obviously, last season after coming off that national championship. So, you know, it's kind of the first time in, in quite some time that, you know, Mississippi State is kind of an underdog, you know, with the chip on their shoulder uh, coming into the season. So, you know, I think when you ask people in Starkville and those around the program what their expectations are, it's always, you know, national championship or bust. Um, but when you look at the, the national scale, there's some doubters out there that, you know, Mississippi State's kind of trying to prove wrong this year. It's, it's interesting, you know, how one season can really change, you know, the projection for the program. Yeah. And uh, talking about doubters, a lot of people doubting Mississippi State basketball uh, when they were off to a one in seven start in the SEC. They've turned that around heading into Wednesday's night's game against Kentucky. Five straight wins for the Bulldogs. How did Mississippi State turn it around? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, in that stretch, right, Mississippi State was playing some really tough games against, you know, really, really tough schedule. You know, they were they were playing close against, you know, Tennessee here in Starkville. They were playing close, you know, they almost won, you know, at Alabama, you know, which looking back now, they were actually the closest team to beating Alabama, you know, in terms of final score. Um, that game coming in Tuscaloosa. So there, there were stretches where, you know, they felt like they just needed a breakthrough, right? They needed someone to, you know, hit a shot late in the game and, and you know, kind of spur some momentum. And and that's what's happened. They, they've started to, you know, knock down the, some three-pointers. You look at the percentages, it's still not great, but, you know, they, they lost the game by six at Auburn in which they shot 0 of 18 from deep. That was kind of the pinnacle of, of their shooting struggles. And, you know, at the same time, as bad as that was, you know, coach like Chris Jans could easily, you know, come to practice the next day and say, hey, if, you know, if this team can knock down, 
four or five three-pointers. It doesn't have to be, you know, 12. You knock down four or five three-pointers, you're in any game that, that you play and you have a chance to win. And I think that's kind of what's proven to be the case recently. The the high ball screen with, with Tolu Smith and, and Mississippi State's guards has been working right. You know, their guards are you know, able to either, you know, dump it off to Tolu in the paint. When teams are, you know, focusing on Tolu, they can take it themselves. And when the offense is really clicking, it's when they can kick out and, and knock in a, a wide open three. So that that's kind of started to hit for them the last few games. You know, the offensive numbers aren't fantastic, but, you know, they're good enough for, for what this defense provides on the other end. You mentioned Chris Jansen. His first year as coach there at Mississippi State came from New Mexico State where he had a lot of success. What's been the re- reception for Mississippi State fans to to the new coach in his first year? <laughs> Man, state state fans, they have really started to to buy into Jans and kind of what he brings. I think you know for the last what was it maybe seven seasons um, off the top of my head, you know Ben Holland was here and, and it was a splashy hire at the time, you know with his success at UCLA and whatnot. But you know the, the style of play, you know mixed with kind of his personality, really started to you know wear down on fans. There was you know losing interest in basketball here. The crowds were. You know, obviously, you had COVID happen, which didn't help. But you know, the crowds last season weren't weren't that great for Mississippi State. People were kind of you know, kind of getting bored with basketball here. And you know, Chris Jans has kind of changed that in, in the sense of you know, the team's not maybe the most exciting to watch, but you know, he's really bought into the you know, die for loose balls and and play gritty defense and push and transition mentality where um, the offensive numbers maybe aren't that flashy and, and aren't getting you know people to jump out of their seats. Um, but you can kind of see what he's trying to build, what his vision is. Um, and, and I think, you know, fans understand how the portal works these days to the point where they know that, hey, if this is what Jans can do with, you know, mostly a roster he inherited and then, you know, some, you know, I mean, there's guys on this team that uh, are walk-on freshmen like Sean Jones Jr. who are making huge impacts. Like, if this is what Jans can do with, with you know, the, the situation he inherited, I think fans know that there's hope for, you know, what he can do when, when the transfer portal is working for him and, and freshmen, you know, that, that he recruited are coming in, you know, in the coming seasons. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned about defensive, uh, about how well they played defensively. I think Ken Palm has them number four in adjusted defensive efficiency nationally. What makes yeah. them a good defensive team? Well, I think, you know, kind of the, the cliche thing is they get into the passing lanes, they poke the ball away, they make you turn it over. I think that that's the first thing that helps them a ton, you know, in terms of creating their offense. But I think, you know, another thing they do is is their post defense is, is just so good with guys like Tolu Smith and Will McNair coming off the bench where, you know, I'm interested to see what the matchup is like with Oscar Sheeway, right? I think that's what everyone's going to have their eyes on just because, you know, they, they make it so tough for you in the paint that if you're not knocking down three-pointers and, and you can't hit, you know, threes on, on some kickouts, it's going to be a really long day for you. So they 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 wear you out. And that, that's another thing that Jan's, you know, takes a lot of pride in is he knows if a team comes out and, and is maybe hitting a couple shots in the first couple segments of the game, he knows that that his defense can, you know, continue to wear them and be so relentless to the point where, you know, when you get to those last couple segments, you're exhausted, right? Your guys are beat up, they're bruised, they, they've taken some hits throughout the game. And, and I think he knows that, you know, for a 40-minute game, the, the way they play can, can really uh, wear down on a team. Yeah, I noticed after the Arkansas game, and obviously that was a big win for Mississippi State, I noticed after the game Eric Musselman said he thought Mississippi State was played really physical, and those types mm-hmm. of teams have given Kentucky uh, problems this year. You mentioned Tolu Smith. Kentucky fans are obviously, uh, you know, they know him from – he's a veteran player in the SEC, played against Kentucky several times. What kind of season has he had, and who are some other guys that Kentucky fans should watch on Wednesday night? 
Yeah, and, and Tolu's had a good season. You know, I, I don't I, can't, I don't know his top numbers off the top of my head, but they're certainly you know in that range for you know to make an All SEC team. You know, he, he's put up impressive numbers. You know, when when he's rolling, he's he's you know, I mean, it was just a couple seasons ago he was leading the SEC in rebounding, right? Like, right. you know, he had so many injuries last season that that was kind of easy to forget. But you know, he he helps crash the boards. He he's a presence on defense. He can score in the post as, as well as anyone in the SEC. You know, his problem has been that you know at times when Mississippi State is so bad from shooting the ball beyond the arc is that, you know, teams are just double teaming them, triple teaming them. And there's a, there's a picture from that win they had against TCU that Tolu posted on Instagram where there's four guys around him, you know, as he's turned into the basket. So teams know that, you know, that's what Mississippi State wants to do. They want to play inside out. And, you know, if the, if the threes aren't falling, it becomes a lot easier to defend. So there's been games where you look at his numbers and you're like, man, that's those are not good numbers. And it's because, you know, the the people around him aren't hitting shots. So well, what's been successful with them recently, though, is guys like Deshaun Davis and Shaquille Moore, their starting guards, um, are really starting to, starting to click, starting to knock down shots, you know, get to the free throw line. They've just utilized a high screen screen game with, you know, Tolu. And, and the thing with Deshaun and Shaquille is when Deshaun is their, their point guard, if he comes out, Shaq can easily move over and, and play point guard. He's kind of the more versatile of the two. So, you know, between Shaq and Deshaun, you know, they have two guys that can run that high ball screen, you know, with Tolu and, and really kind of, you know, make you think, are you going to defend Tolu on the roll? Are you going to defend, you know, Shaq or Deshaun on, as day driver? Are you going to defend the kick out? So they, they make you think a lot with, with what they can do. And now that they're starting to knock down a, a few three pointers per game, um, it becomes really difficult to defend. Yeah, Kentucky fans don't want to hear that about the high pick and roll. <laughs> Kentucky has had all kinds of problems all year defending the high pick and roll, especially uh, uh, Alabama really exploited them with that. South Carolina did too in a home game that Kentucky lost. So no, they don't want to hear. They don't want to see another high pick and roll team. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, okay, you mentioned uh, the TCU game. Uh, obviously, that had to be a big win. I think TCU was like number eleven at the time. Uh, was that the game? That kind of you mentioned they played Alabama really close before that was TCU the kind of game the winning that game in overtime that gave them a lot of confidence. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned you know how much they needed a breakthrough and, and that was kind of it, right? They got Deshaun Davis to you know hit a three near the end of regulation that that was huge. They got Shaquille Moore at the start of overtime to hit you know back to back threes to kind of stretch the lead a bit in overtime. So that that was the moment where you know it kind of felt. It was one win, right? And they were still on the wrong side of the NCAA tournament picture. They still had work to do. But you can kind of tell with that game and then your, your upcoming schedule of playing, you know, South Carolina, Missouri. Um, it's uh, They played the LSU the other night. You could kind of see, you know, with the schedule that was ahead that if they could just win that one, you had a chance to really, you know, string some momentum together. And, and you know, I think that's what, what it was is, you know, you win four straight games and you look at that and you say, okay, you're, you know, you beat TCU, which is impressive. You won at home against Missouri. I mean, Missouri, Missouri struggled a bit on the road. And then you look at LSU and South Carolina, and you're saying, all right, it's, it's a four game winning streak. It's not, you know, that strong of a four game winning streak, but you could tell, you know, Chris Chance told his team before that Arkansas game, and he said that he never does this, but he went to his team, at, or, you know, a couple hours before tip off in Arkansas and said, hey, I'm feeling really good about where this team is at. So you could tell the team was feeling good. They had a lot of confidence rolling into that Arkansas game where I don't think anyone expected them to win. And now you're suddenly looking at it, you know, Elinardi's projection. They're one of the last four teams in. They made, you know, a jump just in this winning streak. And I think a part of it is just, you know, the eye test, right? You're watching this team play and you're saying, this is not the same team that lost, you know, eight of nine. There's, there's a different confidence to this team. 
Um, and, and they're starting to build this resume and pass the eye test and, and start, you know, catching some people's people's eyes in, in terms of being like, hey, you know, we knew they were close. Now you can see, you know, the result of, of when there's some added confidence to that bunch. And then that TCU win was definitely paramount in creating that. Well, Kentucky, I think, has a, has a pretty good winning streak against Mississippi State lately. What does Mississippi State have to do on Wednesday to turn that around and get a breakthrough yeah. against Kentucky? Yeah, I think it's it's like you were talking about earlier, right? That the, they they got to get some guys to knock down three pointers so the high screen roll can kind of work, you know, the the best way that it can. I, I think if that's working on offense, if you've got, you know, if Mississippi State is makes five or six three pointers in this game, you look at the box score and they made you know five or six at the end of the game. I would say they probably won that game because that just opens their offense so much. And, and you know what you're going to get on the defensive end. Right? Like it's going to be tough and it's going to be physical. Yeah, you know, Kentucky has a ton of players who could score the ball um, a variety of different ways. But, you know, if the defense does at least half of what it's expected to do and the offense is clicking, I think they got a chance. You know, that you probably remember that game last year. Now, Rupp Arena goes into overtime. You know, Mississippi State, you know, had a chance last year. And, and there's some players, you know, still on the team who, who remember that and probably, you know, understand and, and, you know, know that maybe this isn't the, you know, the, the Anthony Davis Kentucky team that was, you know, beaten down on everyone, but it's still Kentucky basketball, right? They're going to bring out the best in anyone whenever they play somewhere on the road. And, and you know, the home crowd is going to be buzzing on Wednesday. So I think there's a chance for Mississippi State. I think there's, you know, always a chance for Mississippi State that the offense struggles and, and has an off night. I, I think that, you know, still kind of lingers with this team is, you know, that it can come at any given point. Maybe that comes on Wednesday. Um, but I think if, if they're knocking down, you know, a handful of three-pointers, um, it's going to open offense enough for, for Mississippi State to have a chance to kind of break that losing streak to Kentucky. Well, I know I know the hump is always hopping when Kentucky comes to town, especially with yeah. Mississippi State on their winning streak. Uh, and the way Kentucky's been playing lately, I expect it'll be a very raucous crowd there on Wednesday night, 8.30 game on the SEC Network. Stefan, tell the listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and where they can find your work uh, online leading up to during and after the game on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Online, we're at uh, theclarionledger.com. And uh, on Twitter, my handle is at S-K-R-A-J-I-S-N-I-K-3. Be sure and check out all his work. They do a great job at the Clarion Ledger covering all Ole Miss and Mississippi State sports. Uh, Stefan, really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Jim, Mississippi State's on a hot streak. Uh, once again, you're playing a, a team with a first-year coach. How difficult is it to always have to prepare for a team that's coached by maybe someone you're not real, real familiar with? Well, this would be our first time playing them, so it's they're, they're obviously new to us. Um, but they have a we have a, a sample size enough film. They've played a bunch of games to have a good feel for them. Um, I think... Where they're unique at is they're turn, they're, they force a lot of turnovers and they score off of turnovers at a high rate, and their offense are rebounding at a high rate. So they're rebounding, and by way of they scoring on using their defense to cause offense, they, they do that at a high rate. So I think um, ball toughness and limiting our turnovers and then the war on the boards um, will, will, will pose some kind of a challenge for us. But other than that, I don't think that um, anything else they, they're going to do is new to us. We have enough film on them that we've, we've, we've watched. So, Jen, How much of a sense of urgency is there, a growing sense of urgency with, with six games left and obviously some, some work still to do to get into the tournament? 
I think that around this time of the year, no matter what the circumstances or the situation you're in, there's a sense of urgency because you're nearing the end, you're nearing the, the conference tournament, the conference end, and uh, postseason play and all of that stuff is starting to um, play a factor. But So I don't think, um, other than us playing at a high level with some consistency, that's a sense of urgency on that. And, and that's part of our preparation. But I think that the elephant in the room is there. We know that the season is coming to an end. We got six games left. We got postseason. We got the conference tournament. Then after that, um, that's in the parking lot. But um, we got to focus on today and focus on winning today and kind of not so much worry about that, put pressure on that. You know, we win the day, win our practice today, have a good walkthrough and shoot around and all that and try to prepare for Mississippi State. We can't. Um, Think about all of that right now. We had to live in the moment. You know, you got great players. They know they're great. What is their mindset like now? I think our, our guys' mindset is uh, they have a sense of urgency. I think they know that we got to get ourselves together again, right now, as we move down the stretch of the season in terms of getting closer to the end. We, we want to finish strong in the conference. We want to have a good showing in the conference tournament, and then hopefully uh, after that, then the tournament after that will be what it is if we take care of those things step by step. But again, um, I guys understand. They understand the level of, of, of uh, what we're dealing with right now um, in terms of it's kind of some guys on our team right now have to take on a more heavier load uh, because we're we're down a few guys, no excuse, you know, next man up. But some guys got to step up a little bit more and carry a, a heavier load than normal with, with, with two of our guys uh, supposedly out, maybe in or out. We don't, I don't know yet. We haven't practiced, but um, we'll see how that goes. But some, some of our guys got to take on a more heavier load. Who are some of those guys do you think might have to take on a bigger load? The guys load? that are playing and then the guys that are on the bench that, that are now getting more opportunity because if we're out with those two guys, then uh, – you know, that, that means that the Adus, the, the, the Reeves, the, 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 the obviously Damien's, uh, Lance, uh, Ugo, we, 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 we have a full roster for, for a reason and we believe in it. We, we believe in our guys. Um, they haven't had their opportunities, but now they're going to get them and you got to always be ready to answer the call. Uh, so, and then the guys that are playing, you know, Kaysen's probably got to take on a bigger, heavier road. Uh, Oscar, uh, Jacob, and we just got to have some guys step up, and, and I think they're up for the challenge. And if they do that, we'll be fine. Obviously, I haven't seen much of Ugana on the court lately, but where have you seen him grow in practice from when he got here in, in August, September to, to now? He's, he's 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 working hard every day. I, I, I enjoy coaching him. Enjoy being around him. He's a he's a he's a beacon of light. Like he's got a affects his personality and. Uh, He's very smart. Uh, so as an eyewitness to what's going on, obviously not playing as much, he has a lot of knowledge and a lot of input. Um, so I talk to him all the time about what he sees, what he thinks, and, you know, how is the locker room, how, you know, and, and he's got great insight, and he's working his tail off. And he may get an opportunity. You know? And if he gets this opportunity, he's going he's gonna, to, one thing he's going to do, is he's going to give you everything he's got. He's going to give us some collective intelligence because he's a smart kid and he understands the schematics. 
Um, and so we need that. And he's, he gives us some rim protection. So um, I know that he's, he's ready. We, we feel confident that he's ready. It's just waiting on that opportunity. I think he'll be ready if he gets it. He obviously came in with kind of a long-term outlook on it. Um, I mean, some people thought he might even redshirt this season. Where, where do you see, from what you've seen, where do you see him kind of extrapolated over two years, three years down the road? He's going to be a big-time player. He's going to be one of those guys. He's going to be one of those ones uh, that, that, that they've had here before, seven-footer that can run, block, shot, shoot. He, he's going to be one of those players. And because his spirit is right, and he's got a great spirit, so success is, is, is waiting for him because of the person. He's, he's, he's the right kind of person that, that, that success uh, follows those kind of people. And you're always one of the more animated people on the bench. After the Georgia game was brought up that maybe there was a, a lack of passion of some of the players on the bench, Cal said that he would address that, look into it. What, was that something of concern, and was that something that was addressed? Well, when you're on the road, you got to create your own energy. And so uh, you want to have your bench really, really, really over-excited and over into the game, giving energy, you know, and – if our bench was not, I don't, I don't know if it was because I, I, I know that um, when I look towards the bench and look to the guys towards the bench, they gave energy. Um, so I don't know if it was lacking. And, and, and if it was, then we got to do a better job. And I think that um, that has been addressed and we'll be, we'll be better. That's, I don't think that's anything concerning. We'll be better. When you have guys out that you know is going to be out, uh, how difficult is it? Game plan of putting combinations on the floor where you have the right combination where you don't get the defensive back foot and scoring out for the same thing. Um, it poses a challenge because guys that you're counting on and if you've counted on um, are not there, so you gotta kind of collectively uh, fill those voids, and 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 it, it is a challenge. Um, but again, we 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 believe in our guys, we believe in our our our, our locker room. Um, I think we'll do a better job uh, at filling those voids for those guys because now it's like, you know, you get you get used to it after one or two games. So now we know what we have and we know how we, we want to scheme or we know how we want to plan for that game, knowing that they may or may not play. And so I think that you get more comfortable with it as long as they're out. And, and so I think uh, coaches kind of putting together a game plan based off of what he knows in terms of who's going to be available which we don't know yet. I mean, we, we haven't had practice yet. What have you seen in the past few weeks with Damian calling and just having a spark off the bench? Um, Damian's handling it well, you know, and, and, and it's difficult. Some, some of these guys got a hard job, man, and having DMPs for several games and then being ready and, and available when your number is called is difficult. That's not an easy thing. That's, one of, that's some of the hardest jobs in this business, whether you're a professional or in college. It's a hard job, and so uh, give a lot of credit to Damon, who's kept a, 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 the right spirit, because your, your mind's got to be right in order for your game to be right. You can't impact the game unless you have a, a, a good mindset. And so uh, for him to come in a few games that he's, he's been able to play in and, and give us some, some positives, it's been, it's been huge. And I, I, I think that uh, Damien has, has, has been really, really good spirits, really good with understanding that, you know, he's had some setbacks and dealing with his personal issues and, 
you know, if he was to get the opportunity to play, that he was going to try to give us what he can. And, and he's done a good job of that. Al talked last night about some of the teams that have had success against you guys playing with nothing to lose and, and said you guys need to kind of start playing with like you have nothing to lose. What, what, what does that mean to you? And has he said that in private too? Yeah, you probably got to ask Coach Cal uh, more in depth than what he means in that. Uh, but I think that if I was to speak on that, I think his, his refuse to lose, uh, that he, he's always had that even when he was at uh, – UMass and some other different places in Memphis, and I think that, I think that that's where it kind of comes from. His the mentality of refusing to lose, and uh, I think that that's what that comes from. But you would have to ask Cal more in depth. And for the past two games, Cal has lamented playing guys too much. First it was Oscar, and then I think last game was Antonio. As an assistant coach, what what is your role when maybe helping him out in terms of determining minutes on the court? <laughs> I don't know because it's tough. We, we're without two guys that both probably played 25 plus minutes a game. And so right now, currently, some guys, they have to probably play a little bit more than normal. And so we may have to, you know, find different ways to, to get those guys out. And I'm sure Kyle will figure that out, you know, but it's tough right now. You know, guys got to play a little bit more because of we're, we're, we're up to this point been down two guys. So. Coach, it looks like, from a naked eye, that teams are trying to get physical with you, and that bothers your guys a little bit. How do you, how do you coach and practice that? Do you try to overcome that with your athleticism, or do you have to be physical back? We got to be ball tough. Uh, I don't, I don't think that it's teams that are trying to necessarily be physical with us per se. It's just Kentucky. I think that a lot of teams play uh, physical, and I think that that's how they play. I don't think it's necessary that they're just trying to be more physical with us. I think that that's the discipline of their team and how they play. Um, and we understand that those particular teams that play a little bit more physical and try to take you out of stuff, try to deny and, and, and make your catches tough and so on and so forth. So we got to be more ball toughness and, and, and in those particular games. But I think that that's just the game. I don't think that that's Anything someone specifically trying to do to us, I don't think that. Don't take this the wrong way. We love hearing you talk. But before you got here, uh, Coach Cal pretty much did all of these pre pre-game pressers. What are your thoughts on on having the assistant coaches come out and, and doing these? I'm appreciative of it to get an opportunity, but I I just do what I'm told. Like I'm one of I'm a soldier, so I soldier up. I work for Coach Calipari and. I when Deb tells me to come and talk with you guys, I'm a soldier, so I'm, I'm just do I just do what I'm told. One one other thing, uh, a couple of games ago, I think it was Tom Hart brought up this really bizarre uh, topic on Oscar and his premonition before the St. Peter's game. Are, are you able to shed any more light on on that? Because I know a lot of us hadn't heard anything about that. Well, I don't know if you know it or not. I don't have Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, TikTok no, I don't have any of it. So I, when you talk about stuff that people write or say, I don't hear any of it. I don't read any of it. Like, I, like literally, I don't hear any of anything you guys write. I don't even see this video. Like, this is going to be played somewhere, and I won't even get a chance to see it. Like, I never see anything media-related. I'm just not... 
that kind of guy. So I don't, I can't speak to something that was wrote or written in the media. I can't speak to that. Yeah, yeah. There was a story that Oscar had a premonition that something very bad was going to happen before the uh, the uh, first round of the NCAA tournament last year, and uh, it was just such a really bizarre story, and it was broadcast all over ESPN, and and so I, I just didn't know if there was anything else that. Uh, that went on. Do you think it <laughs> not, the not, not, not that I know of, and I'm sure if he has another premonition that, that Deb would know some about it. But I'm the I'm the worst at that. At, 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 I my head is down to the grindstone, boss. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. Yeah, you should probably ask Oscar. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. Is it? Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Be sure to check out Stefan Krishnick's work at the Clarion Ledger. He does a great job covering Mississippi State. Be sure and check out my blog on uh, Wednesday night for the game. We'll have live updates on the sidelines blog. After the game, you'll have my three takeaways. Be sure and follow Mark Story on Twitter, Mark C. Story. Be sure and follow Ben Roberts on Twitter. He'll be down in Starkville. I won't be making the trip, but Ben will be in Starkville. Follow him at Ben Roberts HL. And also follow Cam Drummond for game coverage as well as UK recruiting coverage. Follow him on Twitter at cdrummond97. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.